Hello, Rachel. Welcome back. Thank you very much. You'll be very pleased to know that I made friends in the airport and on the plane. I know you love it when that happens, when we travel together, we get chatting with people. And two of them have since followed me on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, no one was asked to take anything across a border. Everything is okay. (laughs) You're back. You're safe. Presumably, there were some Jewish things that happened to you on this trip. Was there a particularly Jewish thing about it? Yes, because obviously I'd gone for Limud for people from the former Soviet Union and Jewish events are notorious really for their food but I hadn't really thought about the fact that this is Russian Jews and for them the hospitality around food is just so much more massive like however much I push food on people when they come through the door maybe it's because I've only got a quarter Russian heritage I'm not intense like this let me give you an example Philip breakfast was served from 8 till 10 30 and then if you stayed there long enough you'd be around for 11 o'clock where they brought out refreshments. (laughs) and then from 1.30 till about 3 was lunch and then from about 3.30 there were refreshments until six when there was dinner and on Friday night it was a lovely big supper like gorgeous and then there were a few sessions and at 11 o'clock at night on Friday night I was hanging out in the kind of loungy area in the hotel talking to a few people and all of a sudden there's like a commotion as they bring in platters of fruit platters of cakes platters of cold meat sausage rolls and some bread in case you wanted to make sandwiches out of the cold meats condiments god forbid you should go to bed hungry and they all said that's completely normal and it reminds me of I know you're going to love this but this is what I had to say over the entire time I was there when I lived in Minsk because that's Yay! where they <laughs> for those of you that aren't aware what's happened now Rachel <laughs> has mentioned living in Minsk check it off on your do you talking to me bingo cards there will be a prize of a Russian doll <laughs> that is literally the only reason I was invited to speak on this trip having a Russian grandfather and having lived in Belarus but when we lived there I'd forgotten that every time we went to anyone's home they would make like a table groaning with food even though I had already explained to them or Mark had already explained to them that we were strictly kosher and wouldn't be able to eat there so this was just that time a million. About half the group was of Russian origin and half was Ukrainian and it was a very interesting dynamic given everything going on and people's concern about their family and friends. So although it was really good fun and it was an interesting experience and a great opportunity to present and speak to people it was also very poignant you know there Mm. were moments over the weekends which were introspective about who they were missing and what people were going through. Well it sounds like you have made the most of your time over there. I know you weren't there for very long and I think possibly you were in the air for longer than you were in America but (laughs) it sounds like you had an amazing time so welcome back. Thank you. Uh, That was my most Jewish thing, but what was yours? Well, my most Jewish thing this week was a potential broigus, possibly a broigus, because I was too busy to ask the right questions to find out what was going on. But I'm going to mention someone now who is a a loyal listener, a fan of the show, doesn't get enough mentions and has made a thing of this in the past. My older sister, who shall remain nameless. So this is a story about her, because I had to print some photos this week for my my youngest son's school because they were doing family trees so we asked all of our family to send some sort of selfies and I put together a collage and needed them printed and we didn't have printing facilities at home so my sister very kindly said she could print them for me and I sent three mock-ups of photos just as a collage rather than sending 15 different documents. The idea was that my son would then be able to cut them out at school and do whatever nonsense he's doing with them there. But I have too many nieces and nephews, it turns out. So (laughs) I couldn't make a collage with the exact number of photos because on the app I've got, you could only have 10 photos. So what I had to do with my brother and his kids was put them into one montage. Okay. I then put their collection into the rest of my family. So it looked like a big mosaic of pictures. When I sent to my sister she then made a whole joke about not being broigus about the fact that he's got his own photos and he's in the photos with the family as well and she... it turns out that I had sent the wrong photo to her but I didn't realize that until she handed over the printed copies and my wife was like why have you printed that one so what I'd meant to send her was a picture of my wife's family a picture of my family and then a picture of my wife and me and our two kids and I'd accidentally sent her the set from my brother and his kids 
and not me, my wife and our kids. So she'd been broigus about that and I hadn't had enough time to check it and go, why is she upset with me? It then became a thing. So I then had to reassure her everything was okay, get the proper photos printed. And we had a very heartfelt conversation on the doorstep of her house at <laughs> midnight as I was walking back from the station after a gig. I had to hold my hands and say, it's entirely my fault. I understand now why you're a broigus. I didn't get why you're a broigus in the first place because I was too lazy, stroke busy, but I think that was fairly Jewish that we had a Bruegus that totally could have become a thing that in 20, 30, 40 years time, none of us would have known why. And actually it was just because there was an accidental slip up on my part that would have ruined the entire family dynamic. That is actually classic, I think. So that's my most Jewish thing in a week. If my sister is listening, then lovely to have you with us again. I hope you have forgiven me for my <laughs> error. And if my brother's listening, do not get above your station. You are just one of the family. <laughs> so we should probably talk about this week's episode because that's why people are here. I'm sure they are excited for this week's episode as well. They should be. It's a really funny one. This was such a great conversation to record and to revisit when we were editing it. But are there things that our listeners need to know, Rachel? Yes, because we got so involved in the conversation between basically four Jewish comics just sharing their experiences on the circuit and deep in quite heavy chat that we forgot to make sure that we explained certain bits of it. So, for example, we referenced quite near the beginning the slap which Will Smith gives to Chris Rock. I don't know if that's a surprise to anyone listening. Just give it a Google, you'll hear the story. So now in comedy, really, I think if anyone says the slap, that's what they mean. They're talking about the Oscars and that moment. We also had a mention of the three tribes in Judaism. And I don't know if that's ever come up on the podcast or even on the portion portion before. I don't think so. And I thought there were more than three tribes. Well, there are sorts of, yes, there are 12 tribes and then there are kind of three levels. And that's what was being referenced because there's Yisrael, which is the general population. And then there's Levi or the Levites who were the tribe of Levi who then got to be the teachers and then there were the Cohens the priests and they were the ones who were like the main temple workers and so Cohen is considered like a senior level I guess of Jew and there are in fact loads of different rules and stuff which we have talked about in our portion portion mm. our guests were Avi Lieberman and Judy Gold who were very close friends with each other and at one point Avi was getting a bit above his station and Judy literally shouts him what tribe are you? What tribe are you? And that's what she's referencing. I have to say, I love the idea that there are 12 tribes, but even then they've gone, yeah, but we're this collection of tribes. We're that collection. That feels incredibly Jewish to me. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was also another chance for people to claim a bingo point. Because you <laughs> talked about Bagel Huller. We should it's still make it... the most traumatic thing that's happened in my Shabbat career. And we know it's traumatic because you even referenced it as Bagel Huller. So it was so traumatic, you corrected yourself. <laughs> well, I was translating for the Americans. Appreciated. So there's a few things to look out for, but it is a lovely, fun episode. It gets quite deep into a conversation about free speech and especially our role as comedians in that concept. I think it is connected to Jewish free speech as well quite a bit during the conversation but it's a fascinating insight I think into what it is to be a comedian in the 21st century so sit back and enjoy the show <laughs> Simon. And I'm Rachel Krieger. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Reform, so I like nothing more than a party where I can be cheek to cheek with my wife as we dance the night away. And I'm Orthodox, so I like nothing more than a party where I can wave at my husband from the other side of the room as he dances Moshiach with a bunch of men he's never met. This show is the audio equivalent of the Sue Gray Report. Some people fear us, Everyone's excited for the next instalment, and it only happened because of a few drunken conversations at work-related gatherings. In each episode, we chat to two of our favourite Jews about their lives and experiences growing up, and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they throwing a party or making a simcha? Welcome to Jew Talking to Me. 
let's introduce our guests. Judy Gold is a writer, actress, and multi-awards winning American comedian who has appeared in numerous sitcoms and won two daytime Emmys for her work on The Rosie O'Donnell Show. She's also the host of the Kill Me Now podcast and has written and performed about life as a Jewish mother. Her book about free speech, Yes, I Can Say That, When They Come For The Comedians We're All In Trouble, is out now. Hello, Judy. Hello. Our next guest is Avi Lieberman, who has appeared on various late night shows in the USA. He's the co-founder and host of the Comedy for Kobe tour in Israel and has just completed a book entitled Travelling During the Pandemic, now up on Amazon, where he went to eight countries in seven months. Avi recently became the first Israeli-born comedian to perform in the United Arab Emirates. Hello to Avi. Welcome, both of you, to the show. It's lovely to have you with us. Uh, obviously, you know a little bit about us. You know that Rachel's Orthodox and I'm Reform, but we'd like to know a little bit about your Jewish background as well and how you self-define as Jews now. Judy, what kind of Jew are you? I'm a good Jew. I grew up uh, conservative, but very uh, observant. My mother loved being Jewish. She was born in 1922 and girls didn't go to Hebrew school. So every day after school, she would run over to Shari Zedek, which is a block away from where I live right now. She would run over there and sit in the boys Hebrew school class voluntarily. And then her name was Ruth. And during Shavuot, they did something for her to acknowledge that she did that because girls really didn't have bat mitzvahs then. So I come from a mother who loved Judaism and also told us that everyone hates us every day, at least once a day. So what kind of Jew am I? I am a proud Jew. Being Jewish influences everything I do. I also love the holidays. I love the traditions. My kitchen is kosher-ish. It was kosher and now it's gone to ish. I believe in tikkun olam. I believe in social justice. I believe we are a thinking person's religion. I believe that we have done a lot to contribute to this world in so many positive ways. And I feel like it is my job as a comedian to highlight that. And so on my podcast, Kill Me Now, anytime anyone mentions anything Jewish related, I ring a bell. And you see how much we have contributed to the world and how much a part of our culture, science, technology, you know, medicine, environment. And I'm just, I love being Jewish. Love it, love it, love it. So that's the kind of Jew I am. I don't eat bacon. Well, I, I will if it's in something, but <laughs> I've, I've become more lax since my mother died. But yeah, I love it. It's who I am. It's how I talk. It's my hair, how I think. And I guess that's the end of my, what kind of Jew am I soliloquy. And that is a fantastic answer, especially the idea that on your podcast, you ring a bell when someone mentions something Jewish, because I can imagine there's a load of anti-Semites out there going, oh, she's just a puppet for the bell lobby. <laughs> yeah. she's, in, she's in the pocket of Big Bell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Brilliant. Avi, how about you? What kind of Jew are you? I don't identify much. Most people would never guess. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess I'd be considered modern Orthodox, but I talk about I'm very modern. Like I'm so modern, I'm future. I grew up going to Orthodox Jewish day school. I was born in Israel. So I grew up in a family of like a lot of his pride in Israel. And at the same time, even though we were not Orthodox growing up, my dad said, you're getting a, an education. He said, you'll thank me when you're older. You'll see. And then my my jobs in college and my day jobs for, the, for that matter were all like, like, you know, teaching Sunday school. And then I was a teaching assistant while I was, you know, struggling as a comic for years and all that kind of stuff. So that it's sort of shaped who I am. I get up, I go to Minion in the morning that, you know, that kind of came later in my life, oddly enough. But um, Judy and I both, a ton of Jewish events, you know, a big chunk of my act is about being Jewish and what that involves. And there aren't a chunk of us that can, you know, oh, there's a synagogue and they need such and such. And the fact that we can both do content about being Jewish, it's obviously I was very happy. I found a way to sort of do what I do and incorporate it with something that is in Israel. You know, if you were to ask most comics who's obviously like, oh, he does the Israel thing, right? So that's, that's kind of how I'm noted throughout the comedic community, I would say. I sort of gravitated into screenwriting. Even the movies that I write are more, the first movie that I ever sold, which, you know, is progressing nicely now, is called Miriam. It's a story, the exodus, but through the eyes of the women of the story. But obviously there's Judaism involved with that. Obviously a huge part of who I am, what I do. It's interesting to me because uh, that's something the four of us have in common is being able to go and do the cinema gigs but also do club gigs and whatever it isn't that common here um even amongst the jewish comedians for people to be doing both to that extent 
And I find that people often ask me, do you have to change your material dramatically for doing, let's say, a Jewish charity or a synagogue event from what you do in the clubs? And actually, for me personally, it's quite interchangeable. Maybe the kind of slang element of I don't have to think about translating chulent, but in terms of content, it's not that different. What about for you guys? Because you both talk about your Jewishness super publicly. Well, chulent is... The big part of my act. Uh, <laughs> I have seven minutes on Shellens. It's interesting. I get asked more by the Jews because if I'm doing a show, and let's say it's for a Chabad, and then I'm in Vegas the next week, and they'll say, Avi, uh, do you wear your yarmulke on stage there too? I'm like, yeah, along with my towels and fill it. I'm like, no, that's, you know, you got to obviously adjust to where you are. Even if I'm talking to somebody, and let's say it's a very religious show, I'll even throw in some vernacular because their main concern is, they don't care if you're funny. Are you clean? Is it appropriate? You can't be yeah. dirty. So if, I, if I'm if i talking to somebody like that and I get that vibe, I'll immediately throw in the word stark to put them at ease. I'll say, <laughs> how stark a crowd are we talking about? Then, then when they hear that, they go, oh, okay, this guy knows what to do. There's certain things you got to do to kind of, you know, adjust to where you are. I've worked with Judy at Jewish events, and then I just work with her in Aruba. Obviously, we're not doing the same stuff that, you know, that we're doing in, uh, in synagogues. So. It makes me laugh a bit because I'm the only, like, religious Orthodox Jew on the mainstream circuit. But the Orthodox Jews still think, I think, they, that when I go into clubs, perhaps I whip off my headscarf and I'm swearing and I'm yeah. doing all kinds of naughty like, as if there's a different me that does that. But it's the same me doing everything. This is how I look there as much as uh, here. When I first started, that I would never do any Jewish material. No, I wouldn't come near it. That's because my name is Avi Lieberman, so Jewish. I didn't want to be sort of stereotyped into, oh, yeah. that's what he does. And I would run away from it. Then I realized, you know what, and this just takes time as a comedian. You have to be yourself. And I am very Jewish. It is part of me. And as soon as I started embracing that and doing Jewish material, doing everything about myself, everything got better. Like the secular stuff got better. I've spoken to like kids about that. I say, be yourself. Don't run away from who you are. Be proud of it. Like what Judy said, that she's a very proud Jew and all that stuff. You have to be who you are and then everything will. Well, you can't really be a comedian, a great comedian, unless you're honest with yourself and you are truly who you are on stage. Like Avi said, as someone who is a club comic, and if you saw my act in a club, you would say, well, that's a hyper club version of who she is. Now, I did a one-person show called 25 Questions for a Jewish Mother, which ran for years, and I, I traveled all over. And it's based on interviews with Jewish mothers all over the country, all over the United States. And it put me on this level, uh, because it's a, it's a theater piece. There's no cursing, well, a little bit, but it's part of the story. So I've done theater, and I'm a club comic. I started as a club comic and I can go in any club and kill. And I know exactly how to read an audience and I have that skill. But I can also stand on a bima with Torres behind me and be myself and not feel like I am sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Not overcompensating or sacrificing who I am to make these people laugh. You know, people have different parts of themselves. I know how to work for a Jewish audience. And I have to say, throughout my career, the notes I've gotten have been, you're too Jewish, stop being so Jewish. This is through the 80s and 90s. Straighten your hair, diet blonde. You're here, you're going to do a late night show. Don't do any Jewish material. And this is all from Jews. Yeah, that's just about to say, I got those same from notes. Jews. Always and from Jews. Until yeah. I did my one person show, which was a, is a masterpiece. I really do think it's, it's and it's a book too, but it's, it really is a beautiful show about Jewish women. Until I did that, you know, and said, you know what, screw this. Don't tell me who, who to be on. You know, I earned this time. I earned the right. People are giving me stage time because I earned that and I'm going to do what I want with it. I'm sure it's had an effect on my career. The Jewishness also, I'm, I'm a lesbian. So that has also affected, you know, it's funny. I don't get to do Orthodox Jewish things because, oh my God, she's a lesbian. But that's for Avi anyway. Yeah, but that's my you know, <laughs> I'm a comedian and I can make anyone laugh if I had to. But you can adjust. You know, I know where I am. I know what they want. And there are Jewish jokes that people don't get in a club. There's so much fun material I have that I can't wait to do for a Jewish audience. Because like you said, I don't have to explain it. I don't mm -hmm. have to explain. I have a joke about, you know, what is non-binary? You know, if anyone here doesn't know what non-binary is for the Jews in the audience, it's all also known as parv you know <laughs> and that's a joke only the jews would get and it's it's really fun to be able to be with your people and do this 
it's special. It really is special. Yeah, I agree. At some point last year, I was asked to put together a show for just a group of very ultra-Orthodox women, and I suddenly could use all this material that I right. wrote in the back of a notebook that nobody would ever get that's so niche. Even like a mainstream Jewish audience would find some of it a bit of a challenge right? Um, because it's the, the wordplay is so specific. And that was really fun to do. It was, I don't think, I, I don't know if I'd want to do it every week. I love the club stuff. Yeah, it's nice to have that balance, I think. So clearly there's a lot going on in the world. We've got war, we've got what? politics whatever yeah there's oh stuff my God, going you on. should have led them in gently oh, to that one I'm so, sorry. I'm so sorry can i recommend you do not watch the news just say okay. my words <laughs> stuff is happening so we always like to check in with our guests and find out how they're doing and asking the very important question What's the matter, Bubbla? So, Avi, what's going on with you at the moment? The book that I wrote, Traveling During the Pandemic, the last two countries I went to were Ukraine and Russia. Can't wow. make that up. And then I just performed in, I have to thank Rachel. She connected me to this uh, really great guy, Oleg, a comedian in Russia. This one I said I was going there. And he messaged me, oh, can you perform while you're here? I went, sure. He's like, it doesn't pay that much. I'm like, it's fine. Like, I was just the experience performing in Moscow um, was great. Then he said, it's, and it was a great show. And he says, will you come back and do this again? I said, sure. And that was a year ago. And I just got done doing that right before this stuff started. And so I have friends in both countries. And I'm sort of WhatsApping with both of them. Like, are you okay? What's the story here? Friends in Moscow talk about how awful this is. And people in Ukraine are telling me how awful this is. So it's sort of strange that through stand-up that, you know, I had these connections to Russia. It's weird in Russia, the sort of like the piggyback on what Judy said, four out of the five shows I did this last tour that were not for the Jewish audience. Only one was. It's like I have this one joke about Hagba, where the Torah scroll is lifted above the congregate, you know, I lifted it and I went, Jesus, this is heavy, which I probably shouldn't have said, but you know, and then the rabbi shot back for Christ's sakes, don't drop it. It always gets a laugh. But I remember when I would talk to Jewish comedians who were not that traditional, they would say, oh, don't do it. They're not going to know. And then I tried it in a regular club. And so they got a massive laugh. You just have to kind of preface it by saying, this is what it is. And it was a non-Jewish, so there's plenty of crossover. That's, you know, it, it wasn't an issue. And even when I was in Russia, I'd realized that I could embrace the Jewish material. And I did it in front of Russians and they were laughing. It wasn't a problem. So I always found that interesting. And it's, where are you from? I would I always say Israel the first time I went because that's where I was that was my base anyway and that was fascinating for me to see their reactions and it was always positive they're like oh, okay great like it's for a kid who grew up protesting for Soviet Jewry to see these people going oh that's nice it just didn't mean anything to them it was just kind of funny it's strange the connections I have to check on what's going on globally are through stand-up it's kind of weird I think stand-up does connect us with the world more so than others I know if I look at my bubble on social media I've got school friends or I've got other local friends who have their daily lives and and that's their bubble whereas we go to gigs all over the country sometimes we go abroad so we do connect with people in a way that is not the norm yeah no, it's, it's very strange in a sense that you, uh, that, you know, we sort of, as I think any comedian, I think Judy would speak to this too, that you operate in two worlds. That, you know, you have your regular friends and people that have regular lives, normal jobs. And then when you're talking to comics, it's, it's a whole other ballgame that's in terms of how you're interacting. That, you know, I remember reading about this where it said, Moses asked, I want to show me your fish, show me your essence. And he said, you can't really see this. And that I'll show you the back of me, puts Moses in the, in the, cle in the rock. And that, you know, show me your face. The response in a sense is that we have many faces. And that's okay. You Nobody acts the same they do in a job as they do with their friends out. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're being a phony. It just means that we act differently in different scenarios that we're in. And that applies with stand-up too. That's when you're doing a, a show at a synagogue, you're not doing the same thing that you are in a club. It's context. Yeah. They do say that we have as many personalities as we do friends. I guess it's yes. It's that. That is a very deep response. Uh, there was me going on about oh, I'll go deeper. Yeah, it's things in the world. Judy, how about you? What's the matter, Bubbler? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot that's wrong because <laughs> I'm me, but yeah. <laughs> the thing that's really been getting my goat is free speech, is the slap, is the, the fact that you know, comedians in this country, you know, we have First Amendment rights here and comedians goal is to make you laugh. And if you don't like a joke, then don't laugh at it. If you're listening to a comedian on the radio and you don't like their material, then change the station. But don't say that that comedian should never be able to perform again because they said something you didn't like. It's like, we are just comedians until we say something that you don't like. You know, I feel like, like my book says, when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. I feel like comedy and satire and humor, that's the last bastion of free speech. Great comedy makes you think and laugh. 
And what we have done in this country of the United States of America is we have decided that we can take the intent of the comedian out of the equation. And that's when comedy dies. You know, if someone murders someone, okay, and they go on trial for homicide, their sentence is determined by their intent. What were they thinking? Was it premeditated? Were they triggered? Did someone attack? You know, and yet you don't give the same consideration to a comedian. Context, nuance, and intent are all a part of it. And, you know, comedy is an art form where the audience informs the artist. You don't ever see an, a painter or a muralist, you know, paint a third of a mural and then invite people over when they're a third of the way done and say, hey, what do you think? Should I move the cloud? Should the horse go over here? No, but we we need you and you can't turn on us when we're doing our job. We don't know where the line is 99.9% until we've crossed it. And as George Carlin famously said, paraphrasing, it's the comedian's job to cross that line and make you glad that they did. And so I feel like this attack on humor and comedy, this need to erase our history and not say certain words, all that does is close people's minds. Listening to audiences laugh, like you tell a joke and they laugh and then they go, oh, right, not supposed to laugh at that. No, no, you're you're laughing. That's what we wanted you to do. Whatever topic we're talking about, we're not lessening the horror of that topic. If you hear one word, you just tune it out. And that I really cannot believe anyone would be on Will Smith's side. Chris Rock did a joke. It wasn't that funny. He should not be assaulted. And you know, Chris got smacked and everyone's like, oh, is it a bit? And I, I knew immediately it wasn't a bit because I could tell by Chris's face. And then he said over a G.I. Jane joke. For him, that was what the joke was about. A movie at a, an award show for film. He was making a stupid movie joke, but this guy takes it upon himself to prove something. And why does a woman need a man to defend her anyway? So I hear comics like, oh, should I, you know, paranoid about what they're going to say or are they going to get in trouble? You can joke about anything as long as it's a good joke. And that's the key. Hone your craft and you can talk about any topic because comedy is a weapon and it also brings people together, but it is a weapon. So use it wisely and think about it was comedians and cabaret performers who first talked about what was going on in Germany. And then in 1934, Hitler passed the Treachery Act. You couldn't joke about the Third Reich, the Nazis or him punishable by death. That's the power of comedy. So use it wisely and realize that a world without laughter is not a world I don't think anyone wants to live in. I think we have some politicians who would disagree with you there. I think you're absolutely right. I think context is definitely key as well. So if you've got someone like Chris Rock standing up at a, an award ceremony as a comedian telling a joke, that is different from somebody driving down the street, calling out at Will and Jada, an offensive slur, which is not the context of comedy. Yeah, that's not comedy. Yeah, exactly. No. The flip of that, I find, is when politicians say, oh, I was only joking, because that's not their job. Their right. job is to yeah. lead us seriously into a better world. And they say things, try and get away with it by saying they're joking. Yet when but, a comedian says, but I was joking, we hold them to a higher standard. We right. shouldn't even have to justify to say we were joking. That's obviously what we were yeah. doing. That's our job. Because you bought your ticket. You think about politicians, their words have effects, uh, have an effect on people's lives and livelihoods. Mm. And they can harm people. They can kill people. You know, drink bleach. I mean, come on. There are things politicians say about L the LGBTQ plus community that causes kids to harm themselves. Why is their speech protected? Mm. And a comedian is assaulted. I just don't understand it. There is no cancel culture, I really believe, except if you're a woman. So that's interesting because here the sort of debate is about whether people are no platformed if a venue doesn't want to book them anymore after they've performed particular kinds of jokes. So you can look at it as every venue's got the right to select who they think is going to sell tickets to right. their audience, right? Yeah. I would defend, oddly enough, club owners, which is a rarity uh, amongst us. You can ask Judy about that. But uh, it's, it's, I can't get a spot at this. I go, listen, everybody has their favorites. Right. Oh, I can't get a spot. I go, that's normal. That some clubs are going to like this guy more than that guy or that girl more than this guy. That's just how but it is. But it's their club. It's their yeah, club. It's a business decision. On the same, if you take that a step further, you see club owners 
who are hiring comedians because they have a you know a, a viral video and of course cannot do 45 minutes of stand up yeah, i actually asked and the comedian will, will remain nameless but a friend of mine opened for this comic who became a big deal over one viral thing and i said uh what's it like though when this comic has to go and be on a show with a Pat Oswald and a Judy and a, and a Harlan Williams. And he told me, he said, listen, there's an obvious difference. There's a tangible, you know, there's a clear difference between, but I have news for you. The fans don't care. This comic has their fans. They have their wheelhouse. It's clear they are not as strong as the people they're performing with. But this bit sent this comedian over the top. And that's it. It's, the game has sort of changed since we started. What really was based on merit. I remember I was in the back of a club with, with Todd Glass. And the crowd sucked and it's late at night and it's awful in the improv and in strolls Judy. And she had this spot that she probably not even remember this. Then it's late at night. There are seven people left. There are a few people who are funnier for me, at least to watch than Judy when the situation is awful. Uh, that's because Judy is funny in between jokes. Also, that's what we like to say. So she goes on saying to thank God there was this cute little blonde girl in the front. And Judy just ripped her for being Ava Braun and a Nazi for about like 15 minutes. It was great. So, <laughs> so we liked it. It's, you know, so it was fun. It's, you know, now my rule when it comes to this cancel culture and all this stuff, if you are not of, of the group that I'm making the joke about, you're not allowed to be offended. No being offended on behalf of someone else. That's my first rule. Oh, yes. If I make a joke about black people and you're not black, sorry, not interested in what you have to think. Right. Of. I'm not interested. I'm probably noted as the least offensive edgy comedian that you're going to deal with. When I come up with a bit that's that way, I'll usually try to give it away to somebody who's uh, comes off more that way. And Chris Spencer, I mean, I, he, was a, he was a great comic. I was at the Laugh Factory once and I'm in there and they were short somebody. Oh, somebody didn't show up. And Chris goes, throw Avi on it. It was like a black knight or something. And I was like, Avi? He goes, and he, Chris he goes, Avi's like a utility comedian. You just put him in on any, it was like one of the nicest compliments I got. He was like, Put Avi in any show, he'll figure it out. Alternative or Jewish or Black or mainstream Vegas, he'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Because I'm not going to do something that's I'm trying to offend people. That's, and even I run into those issues now. You know, it's ridiculous. It's people ridiculous. are offended it's, by proxy. Anyway. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. No being offended on behalf of someone else. And I yeah. think that, that this slap, oddly enough, that's my friend said, I think this will finally help us as comedians because people are so sick of this. Right. It's, they're so sick of it. It's going to go the other way. And Jim Jeffries is a great comic from Australia that you guys probably know. Mm -hmm. He's put in country, he said, you know, we don't get any respect from the Academy or these people anyway. Well, what was the last comedy that got nominated for any kind of Tootsie? What was he goes, they can't do what we could. How many comedians have crossed over to be great acting can, can act? Sorry, it's easier than what we do. Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, Whoopi Goldberg. These people have been nominated, won Academy Awards. How many actors have crossed over to be great comedians? zero that's how many of you can come over and go up on stage and be a good comic very few if any so why why do they get the respect i don't i don't get it they can't create and write things that's hard it's very hard and i don't see them doing it so also uh, you know the the other side of the coin is you know yes you have a viral video so you're gonna fill the house and then sort of insult the art of stand-up but the other side is the the fact that social media gives people the opportunity to take art jokes out of context and you know the comedy seller god bless them they make people put their phones in a pouch and they are not allowed to have their phones out during the show there is no better place to work the, the big shots drop by there you know, right. they're not gonna get in a lot of trouble right if i hate the term safe space because there's no safe spaces right but for a comedian it our cl home club should be our safe space where we can try out material we can take risks and not feel threatened that or that that something horrible is going to happen because we tried out a new joke and joe schmo or moisha shoisha <laughs> um <laughs> is insulted because they didn't like a joke and they're going to post it and oh look what this person did uh, you know we're giving power to people who don't deserve a social box and it's it's awful well that's and the thing is we've all got a soapbox now haven't we and we yeah. can all directly get to anybody that we want on social right. media so right. it's like the best thing in the world and the worst thing in the world like 50 50. Yeah. the first time i did shows in england that i remember the first joke i ever did it was at the the good ship you guys probably yeah. know that one i showed up and the mc was this very sweet girl she comes out she goes right here's the thing i'm gonna go up and do my thing and then we take a break and then and i was like take a break so it's like yeah. it's not like the u.s i was like yes and then they go to the the bar they'll come back with their with their drinks and then we'll start again and i'm just like 
and they come back. She's like, oh, yes. And it's like, you guys have way more attention span than we do in the U.S. Oh, like, please. And I was backstage. I said, listen, I have this joke. And I asked the British comics, like, can I do this? And they're like, oh, yeah, do it. It'll get a laugh. And I, you never know, like, other comics are they screwing with you and setting you up to get booed off the stage. I was concerned. It's like, oh, stupid American. I wasn't sure whether they'd like it. And I did the joke. And I said, I've been working on my British accent. Would you like to hear? They go, yeah. And I go, welcome to London. Have you been to Parliament? And it's, it's, it's got a big laugh. But I've noticed over the years that it's gotten less and less and less because now that's racist right and five years ago it wasn't and it's all of a sudden and one british comedian told me it's interesting how you can do that and sort of get away with it if i do that i'm a racist scumbag that's because i'm british and i should know it's very interesting to watch how this is like it's weird off of one joke like i've noticed the shift but hopefully it'll shift back where people are like it's a joke take it easy it's you know. funny because the Indian comedian Anuvab Pal has got a very similar joke that people always compliment him on his British accent. And he said, no one in my family ever asked for that. Right, <laughs> it's, yeah, a, that it's a is. clever joke. What could be more Jewish than interrupting our own show to remind you that back episodes of the podcast are available on all of the usual platforms, as well as our website, jewtalkingtome.com. And as well as catching up on things you've missed, why not be the first in line to hear all future episodes by subscribing to our Patreon? For just a small monthly donation, you'll get exclusive access to free gifts, bonus footage, live events, and much, much more. This is your chance to support the podcast, in return for which we'll keep doing what we've been doing, as well as putting out extra content just for you to find out more just go to patreon.com forward slash you talking without the g go on it's what your mother would want and now back to the show there's no subject that we could talk about for hours because we all have skin in the game for oh, it. Yeah. So we have clubs here where they say to you that the material can't include this 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 and this and I kind of don't mind that because I think I'd rather go there and know that's what the audience expects. That's what the project expects. If I've got stuff that fits it, that's fine. If I haven't, I'll say no to that gig. But I don't like the ones where you go somewhere and afterwards the promoter comes and says like, oh, we don't really like it when you do this. Don't tell me after. Like, well, Yeah, first of all, don't yeah. tell me what to do on stage. If you're going to hire me, then know my act and know what you're hiring. Yeah. I once did a gig for a corporate gig and they handed me a page of things I wasn't supposed to do. So as Avi can tell you, Don't be I, Jewish. Brought, <laughs> I brought the note, I brought it on stage I and I read it. I it. There's no question you brought that on stage. I got <laughs> and then one of them was you can't talk to anyone in the audience or pick anyone out. So, you know, the whole time I was like, oh, what's your name? Oh my God, I'm really sorry. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I just, you know, and the audience. They probably loved it. it right? Yeah. But the guy who was the head of the corporation hated me and didn't want to pay me. Right. Whatever. I think the only re fair request, I was like, listen, you got to keep this clean. That's, that's fair. Fine. That's kind of yeah. been our tradition for, you know, close to a century to tell comedians that I don't mind that. You know? I don't mind being told to keep it clean. And I don't mind if they say, look, last month, somebody said this, they just don't go for that, that kind of thing. Yeah. If they're talking from actual experience of somebody who has tried a bit of local material that didn't work, but I don't want to be yeah. sensitive. I even once, I remember I'm walking out of the cellar and David Tell is there and he looks at me on the street, we're on the street and he looks, he goes, hey Avi, keep me in mind for that Israel gig. And I'm thinking, great, this is one of the funniest guys in the world. And I turned to him and I said, Dave, you're comfortable doing 20 clean, right? And he looks at me, he goes, I could do it. And then we both kind of laugh like this. I don't want to, he doesn't want to, like he could string together a ton of Letterman's that he's done and it'd be fine. But I don't want to hamstring him if he's not comfortable. You want comedians to do what they want to do. If I went to a club and they said, don't do this, I'd be like, bye now. Right. Mm. At the end of the yeah. day, we all find our audience anyway, don't we? That, right. You know, you can do whatever material you want. We right. all have free speech in different contexts and then people will buy into it or not. I'm going to change the subject completely. Before we started recording our chat, I was fascinated when Judy asked Avi what he'd had for breakfast. Avi, do you want to repeat what you had for breakfast? Yes, I had an omelet with cheese, salsa, and avocado, strawberries, blueberries, cottage cheese, and uh, a bowl of oatmeal with honey in it. What kind of cheese? <laughs> uh, it was the uh, mozzarella. You yeah. have mozzarella with salsa and avocado? It, it had a hexer on it. It was kosher, so that's What about go. a nice uh, cheddar? What yeah. about cheddar? It's it's too expensive. The kosher cheddar, I'm not getting it. So, so I love that whole conversation because as a Jewish mother, I really care about what people are eating. Same, and, all the time. And I'm interested to hear whether either of you have any particular memories connected to Jewish food or there's a oh. particular food that you absolutely love. Judy, I feel like you have a lot to say on this subject. Oh my God, <laughs> connection to Jewish food? Yeah. That's all I think about, yeah. Rachel. 
Hello. You know, I've done a lot of Food Network shows. I was on Chopped All Stars. I did Rachel versus Guy. I love to cook. And one of the uh, competitions I won or did very well was on Rachel versus Guy is I made my grandmother's hugachal cookies, which are these shortbread cookies. And they're Hungarian. We're from Hungary. Oh, that explains so much. <laughs> that should have been on the list of things we gave out at the beginning of what Avi's not allowed to say. Avi, <laughs> what, what tribe are you? What tribe are you? We're Russian. And, no, uh, what tribe are you? Straight up Yisrael. Straight yeah, up. Yeah, so am I. So shut up. Right. Okay. <laughs> he's Yisrael with Levy yeah. aspirations. Yeah. That's what he yeah. is. Yeah, my mother was <laughs> was a Levy and my father was an Israelite. So there you go. Okay, so I love these cookies. Food to me is so comforting and I love to eat. I love challah more than anything in the entire world. I love stuffed cabbage. I have a very Eastern European palate and food to me is not only comfort, but it is our history. It is our history. It is passed down and down these, these recipes and there's added spices depending on which country we were kicked out of and had to go to. So for me, Jewish food, First of all, it's all I think about. I'm working out. What am I thinking about? What am I going to eat when I'm done? You know, I have to say, honestly, when I'm done eating for the day, I really feel like I have nothing to look forward to. I look forward to the next morning. That's right. I'm like, okay, great. I can't wait to get up and eat. (laughs) When you went on Chopped, did they give you like a Jew-friendly basket? Oh, my God. This is such a, thank you, Rachel. I'm a big Chopped fan. So I did Chopped All-Stars with uh, Layla Ali, Joey Fatone, and Johnny Weir. And all right, I'm just going to preface this with I did stab myself and had no feeling in my finger. It's better now, but I I had just had surgery on my hand, whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh my goodness. So there's an appetizer. And so the appetizer box is filled with chicken breast. This uh, Korean spice, koji, koji, con, or all right, avocado and vanilla cupcakes with vanilla frosting. And I grilled the chicken breast. I seasoned it. I made guacamole with this, you know, Korean spice. And then I was like, oh my God, I forgot about the cupcakes. So I just crumpled them up and made a sort of breading for the chicken. And then I plated it. You made schnitzel. I totally get it. Yeah. So meanwhile, Johnny Weir is next to me. Layla, Joey Fatone, like owns a restaurant. He's a chef and Layla is a chef and a chef. And she brought her own knives and you don't beat Layla Ali in any competition. Anyway, so uh, Johnny Weir is like, you know, I don't even know how to cook. I never cook. So he makes his chicken. He puts it on the plate. He's got flowers. The plate is gorgeous. But the chicken's not seasoned and he's just like cutting things up. And so, of course, I'm a Jewish mother. So I shove the chicken on. I put the guacamole. You know, it's just like I have kids. I had little kids at the time. No one cares what the plate looks like. So we stand there for seven hours while we get judged. They're like, your chicken is delicious. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) And they're like the guacamole. You know, we don't like the way you used your vanilla cupcakes, but, you know, the chicken is perfectly done the guacamole great idea and i get eliminated because of my plating oh that's awful presentation the next basket okay had four ingredients and the fourth ingredient was matzah no and i was eliminated and none of them knew what to do with the matzah so these people the producers thought i was going to go on to the next round i could have made matzah braai i would have yeah okay there you go oh wow i'm very overwhelmed by this story (laughs) avi how about you yeah for me it's food i'm a big meat guy meat eater and love it even the other night i did a joke on that the MC was a vegan. Did a whole thing about being a vegan, and then he brings me on stage. And I you know, joked about how when vegans have such pride in their vegan restaurants, and they're like, wasn't it good, Avi? I'm like, yeah, you know what would have made it better? Meat. And that you don't need to pretend to be, here's our phony chicken. Stop. Be yourself. I have so many bits about that. Yeah, so I... That's, but I was in Israel when I was there for seven months during the pandemic. That kind of came my hideaway. Every Shabbat would roll around. And I'm like, where is the challenge? Like, what's going on? And they said that, you know, in Tel Aviv, it's kind of hard to get. You have to go to B'nai Brock. And I said, and what the hell makes you think I won't do that? So then, then I would get up Friday mornings and get the hour-long bus. I would take, they go, there's this place called Moti's. And it's uh, this hole-in-the-wall thing. You got to find it. 
and it's across, it's catty corner to the Vishnitz Hollow Bakery, the factory, you just go in and pull it off the racks. It's, and that became, they'd wheel it out hot on these racks. And, oh, I'm so hungry, shut up! Put it in the bags, and I would take that. And I remember, I see this little sign that says Moti's. There's this Sparty guy walking down the stairs. They called Shellen, and he was called Hameen. That's what, like, Sparty Jews call it. So then yeah. I recognize he's clearly Sparty, and he's walking down the stairs. I look at him, and I go, excuse me, and I'm speaking him in Hebrew. I go, do they have Hameen here? And he goes, there's no Hamid, just chillin'. So that's, and we both cracked up laughing. Like this was the most Ashkenazi that I walk in and it's, it's, it's the chopped liver and the chillin' and the whole things. And I was just like, I'm coming here every freaking week to get this stuff. Then people would be, then they began to ask me, can you get me some while you go? Like, that's how big a deal it was for me to like make my food pilgrimage. And I would go there. And I remember the first time in there, the, the guy looks at me and he goes, do you want, cause they would keep the meat and the chillin' part separate just in case. And they'd mix it together if you want. He goes, do you want meat in your challenge? And I looked at him with this like, what the hell kind of stupid questions? I go, does anyone actually <laughs> ever say no? He goes, every now and then we'll have a vegetarian. And I go, well, don't let them in. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and it was great. So that's how that's how big a deal the food thing is for. I well. love that you ended up with a challenge dealer, like a hole in the wall. Oh yeah, it's, word I, of I, mouth I, dealer. Yeah. And then you became the pusher to other people. Oh, yeah. That's, and then the, the Vishnitz Hala was voted number one Hala in Israel. And now the oh, second I, I can't talk about this anymore. I'm yeah. so hungry. So now you can get it almost anywhere. So it's, oh, this is a huge deal. That's, you know, the fact that you could get Vishnitz Hala, you know. I can't, I can't wait. You better tell me where to go when I'm I'll, there. I'll get it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> the, the only thing I could compare that to is when I've been going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for a really long time. And after I've been going for years, then someone told me me that the kosher shop in Glasgow, Mark's Deli, delivers to Edinburgh Shawl twice a week, all the way during the fringe. And I was making these massive schleps everywhere to try and find, like, once I was so desperate for me, I started phoning people from the community saying, do you have any schnitzel? Do you have any schnitzel? But, you know, sometimes you need what you need. And uh, finding out that I could get, like, actual kosher meat delivered was, uh, that was oh, I write danger. these satires for the Times of Israel sometime and, and People will take them seriously. That's the fun part. Talking about, you know, the comedy and the seriousness. I wrote one once and the title of it was Dairy Meal Served at Rabbi's House. Guests Extremely Disappointed. And I <laughs> write it very seriously. It's, and people are like, this is ridiculous. You know, everyone knows she makes great. Uh, oh, great God. I I hate and it starts this whole chain of fights. You should just be thankful you were invited. And I would just crack up laughing. I'd watch people just go after each other. A lot of the things that I write are, you know, are, are food based. I, I wrote one. Uh, Vegetarians at Rosh Hashanah dinner reported to be just as irritating as expected. So it's, and I whole thing about that. So it's half the jokes we do. I think Judy would attest to have food related because <laughs> it's easy. Something you care about, you know, yeah, and everyone eats. And Judy, it's clearly something you care about. I overheard then that oh, I hate people. And that leads very nicely into thinking about Bruegesses that we have in Oh, uh, Bruegess, my favorite, one of my yeah, favorite Yiddish words. I thought you'd perk up at this as well as the food. Obviously, in the UK, we argue about things like whether it's pronounced bagel or bagel. I imagine it's that's bagel. not so common bagel. Over bagel. in America where you say it correctly as bagel. But bagel. we want to know if there are any broiguses in your lives that you want to share with us. My mother said broigus so much. I, I love that word. I love that word. Are, are there any broiguses? I am Broigus. Yeah. <laughs> my podcast is Kill Me Now because everything irritates me. And my mother used to always say to me, Judith, why are you getting your blood pressure up so much? And I'm, it's like, I find injustice, incompetence, a lack of curiosity, dumb people. I find it so irritating, <laughs> especially when, you know, you have one job. Like if I order food in. And I, I literally, it's on the order. Like read the, your job is to read the order and put the extra salad dressing in. That's what your job is. You know, <laughs> I just can't, I can't deal with people who don't listen. No one listens anymore. I've noticed that millennials or what's in your twenties? Is that millennial? I think they're called idiots. Is it Gen Z? I don't, I don't know. know. They don't know how to speak in public because they've been on their phones so much. So every time I go out to a dinner and there's like people in their twenties or early, they are so loud. The volume situation, people talking on their cell phones on speaker. What, what is that? 
And if Judy's saying you're loud, you've got a problem, right? So, Bobby, yeah. <laughs> do not make jokes at mine. I'll tell okay. you, my favorite picture of all time that's out of Israel was when Judy came on the Israel tour. We go up north and we went to the church, you know, these famous churches. Oh. And there's a photo that, and if there's a big sign that says, please observe silence in the church. And we got a photo of Judy's face next to it, like making like this, oh my God, like the, uh, this. How am I going to do this? This is the worst thing ever. Yeah. And I took a photo. It was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. So it was hysterical. What's, what's your favorite, Bruegas, Judy? Like, what's the one you've held on to the longest, do you think? Me? Yeah. Oh God. I have so many. I, I would say, I think my partner, Elisa, would agree. Every time I order food in, they screw up the order. So I think that one, I, I really, oh, here they're coming to get me. Hold on. <laughs> I, think if I knew that was New York. I knew there's no chance that that was in the UK. So that, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I think that that, do your job. I don't know. That's the one that really pisses me off. I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but once my husband went to a different bakery, not the usual one on a Friday, and he bought challah. And when we sat down to eat it, it was made out of, I'm going to say this in American for you, but I know it's not the right word. It was made of bagel. It was a challah, but it was made bagel dough? of bagel. Bagel dough. A bagel challah. And that happened. I'm not no. exaggerating. Yeah, it might it? be 15 years ago. I'm as angry about it today oh, as no. I was when I put it in my mouth. The big thing in LA, there's pretzel challah, but it's excellent. Like, that you know what you're getting. It right? isn't excellent. No. It's wrong. Right. wrong. It's great. It's I'm great. Rachel. I'm annoyed about that now. I had to bring two of those to the United Kingdom in a bag like a dope to my friend who wanted them. They, they were a big hit. But the, well, yeah. don't tell me who they are because I don't want to know them. Yes, yeah, I'll tell you that the thing that gets me the most, I sort of touched on it before. When you invite me to a Shabbos meal, you're thrilled. Thank God I host a lot. I love getting the invites. Same thing. And then like, oh, by the way, it's dairy. Hope you're fine with that. And then I have to like pretend like that's fine. And I'm just thinking to myself this entire time, like, this is the worst. Uh, me and my buddy got invited to this girl. She invited us for Shabbos dinner and she's a vegan. And as we walk out, my friend just turns me first thing out of his mouth, never again. I, like it's a, it was a Holocaust that we had experienced. Like never again will we get this. It was oh, so please. I can't. Give me the I warning. can't. That's and all. then the people, you invite them over and you know they have some issue and it's like what can i what can i can i get something for you no i'll be fine i'll figure it out yeah <laughs> you know don't do anything special for me i'll just sit in the corner and not eat and make everyone's life miserable while you're all enjoying your meal because yeah. <laughs> it's so annoying i have loads of allergies and intolerances but i don't do that judy i will give you of a course list. of course yeah, i'll be up front i'll be like no but i can eat meat but avi you know what made me laugh is uh before you got to telling the story about the vegan girl, I could already see in your eyes that your Bruegas thoughts were about something uh, specific. Just, just can't stand it. So it's, I don't. I just need the warning. I need to be warned. Don't give me this. Oh, by the way, it's there. Right, right, right. Just give me the heads up, and then I can properly mentally prepare myself. It's like if somebody were to convert to Judaism, and you don't tell them about Yom Kippur. It's like, by the way, you can't eat today. What? That you've got to let them know, you know, what you're getting into. That's all. So. I think it says a lot about your relationship with the hosts, also when they invite you over. I went to dinner with an ex-girlfriend's friend once, a Friday night, I think, and she invited us all over and she didn't like me. She'd never liked me. I'm sure of it also because the food on the menu, there were two options and I don't like mushrooms. You should know that for this story to have any sense. I don't like mushrooms at all. It's well publicized. So the first thing she offers is mushroom pasta. That's the first dish. And I'm obviously asking if there's an alternative and she brings out another dish, which is pasta with mushrooms <laughs> and she's made she pasta dishes whatever they can yeah one one seemed to have a mushroom base the other one seemed to have a pasta base but they both had mushroom in common i ate lettuce that night we have passover coming up right and so enough with your quinoa that everybody tries to justify that it's oh no it's just like the real no it's not like i have a thing about how people like quinoa is the greatest if you put it on steak and then shake the steak violently then it comes out and it comes off and the steak is fantastic. I'm just like, sure, yeah, if you add 15 things to quinoa, because that's the big substitute for rice that people try to make. I was like, you know how chocolate is good? Because you don't need to add anything to it. It's enough with your justification about what foods are great on Passover. It's not as good, ever. Quick fire question. Milky Seder, yay or nay? Avi Lieberman. Oh, no. 
Are you crazy? Judy Gold. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> can... yeah. My friend makes salmon. My That's son does that too. And my sister's doing that. My sister's making salmon and I'm like, I'm making brisket. But your sister's not a vegetarian, Judy. I, I know your well, sister. She's not eating meat now. She's not eating meat now. Yeah. See, yeah. we grew up having fish. I wouldn't have said that was a milky thing. I think that's about, maybe that's the orthodox thing of the milk meat. But for us, it was just fish. As Jews, we love talking, but we want to know if you've got a particular favorite Hebrew, Yiddish, Jewish phrase or word that you want to share with us. Judy. Well, as I mentioned prior, I do love Bruegis. I love Yiddish because it's so descriptive, but one of my favorite Yiddish words, expressions is ungapachka. Oh, can you explain what that? Ungapachka, overdone. <laughs> too much stuff like you know tchotchkes everywhere over the top ungapachka you know you walk in an apartment you're like uh, and it's loud and uh, ungapachka i'm gonna look it up i can't believe you never heard of it i've heard of it i didn't know what it meant i've i've definitely heard the phrase it makes ungapachka. sense now you've explained it it describes <laughs> overly ornate busy ridiculously over decorated and garnished to the point of distaste ungapachka it's such a great word it was johnny weir's plate in the contest judy basically right that's well apparently it wasn't ungapachka yeah <laughs> <laughs> would you say that about someone who bought you a plate of food with a million sides and tiny little bits of decoration like you would somebody oh, yeah through -through I house? Would, yeah you can make anything ungapachka yeah his was tasteful that's the difference his looked beautiful <laughs> would it work for a person like if they were very over accessorized i i could see someone wearing an outfit that was ungapachka i would say trump anything related to his decorating would be ungapachka <laughs> i love it avi how about you the word itself would probably be spilkus that's my favorite oh, i like that word <laughs> It's like, yeah. gives me spilkus. It's just, which is, it's like, yeah. makes you uncomfortable. It just, you know, it kind of gives me, it gives me the willies, I guess would be the most, makes me uncomfortable. It doesn't make me feel good about that. I always like that one. It's, and then scenarios wise, it's a word that we all know, but it's just in the context of how it's used. If I ever get a call it's, and it's like, okay, Avi, this is a show. It's at a yacht club at five o'clock in the afternoon. And for, they're drinking martinis. And the person will tell me if it's a Jew, you know, call me on this and they go, these are real goyim. Like, do you have to understand? It's, that always makes me laugh. And they're like, no, you know, these are real serious Gentiles. Like, make sure that you are aware. I got it. It's, you know, so that, that always makes me laugh when they're like, if it's a Jew telling me about it and going, these are serious, you know, no, your shul jokes aren't going over, buddy. You got to make sure that you stay in the lane that the goyim are going to like and make sure that it, that always makes me laugh when it's like kind of that inside, know what you're doing. So yeah, don't be ungapachka. Yeah. These, Unga are really, these are serious goyim. Well, that's nearly all we've got time for, but how will our audience know what you're up to if you never call, you don't write? Normally we'd allocate 20 seconds to do this, but for you, 30. Avi, where can our audience find you? Thank you. You can find me at uh, Avi Lieberman Comedy on Instagram. That's, and uh, that's where I'm posting a bunch of stuff on Facebook. Our next Comedy for Kobe tour in Israel will be starting the week of June 20th. So if you're in Israel then, uh, we'd love to see you there. That's uh, comedyforkobe.com. And then also you get my book, as mentioned before, called uh, Traveling During the Pandemic. That's up on Amazon. So you can order that anytime you'd like. So and I think you'll enjoy it. You'll like it. It's fun. Judy. You can go to judygold.com, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D.com and see all my dates and my calendar and everything. And then you can follow me at judygold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm Jewish. And that would be on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. And I usually post about everything, which I also can't stand. I, I really, social media, it's, it's too much. But um, yeah, and I have lots of shows coming up. And my son is playing. It, now, do you say Maccabi or Maccabi? Maccabi for the sports. Maccabi uh, you know, for the Hanukkah story. Okay, so my son is playing in the Maccabi games this summer. So I'll be in Israel not performing because my son's playing three-on-three -three basketball for the Maccabi games. Oh, you must be full of nachos. I am full of nachos. Good player. <laughs> I've just found you on TikTok. Very exciting to oh, have something to actually know on there. Normally it's uh, random yeah. people. Uh, so very good. And remember um, that every time I do a TikTok video, I have loads of resentment that that's what I have to do with my time. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too. 
Me too. Okay. Uh, good fun trolling the trolls, though. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed this. And from now on, we'll always think of Avi as the Jew who became a drug dealer for Chulant and Judy as the Jew who wants her takeaways accurate and not Ungapochka. That's so sweet. <laughs> and as my grandfather used to say, I love seeing your smiling faces arrive and I love seeing your little tuchuses leave, which is a good thing as we've come to the end of this week's show. All that's left for us to do is to thank our guests, Avi Lieberman and Judy Gold. Follow them on social media. Follow us on social media at you talking without the G. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share the show with everyone you know and check out patreon.com forward slash Jew talking still without the G. If it's not a chutzpah to ask, we'd love you to leave us a great review as it helps other people find the show. And join us next time on Jew talking to me. Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon. And me, Rachel Krieger. It was produced by Russell Balkin and judged by our mothers. It is... Oh, was that a god? You've won Jewish bingo. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe it. Just turn the phone off. You, right? you not control the media. It's a new Jewish setting. Oh, yes. Yeah. I yeah. should know how to do it. I'm on Do Not Disturb. I'm on Control okay. the Banks. <laughs>